0: I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about workplace role models, where I get the opportunity to ask 60 plus questions to female influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. My vision with this podcast is to raise the workplace ecosystem for women in tech. My mission is to bridge the gap between schools and workplaces. By highlighting female role models in STEM to encourage more young girls and women to unleash their full potential in these fields to reach top leadership roles. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Tech Queen Sophia Matveva, CEO and founder Tech Venom Techies.
1: Hi Sophia! Hello gentlemen, I'm so excited to be here and to be called a queen. I love it. You
0: are, my dear, and I'm very happy to have you joining us from London, UK today. How are you? I am really proud of myself today. You know when you're on a phone with your client and
1: you just know, damn, I've killed it today.
0: I'm happy you're bringing this energy to this podcast. So now let us dive into your journey into STEM. Hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus questions. Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags?
1: Ambition, glamour, and intelligence.
0: How would you describe your life in three sentences? I'm an example of a woman
1: going after what she wants, despite all of the huge challenges thrown in her way, and still trying to look fabulous.
0: What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most?
1: Depends on my mood. There isn't one. What is your personal motto? That there is freedom in the absence of
0: choice. What is your favourite book? War and Peace by Tolstoy. What is your favorite podcast? Desert Island Disc. Mac or PC? Mac. Say something interesting about you that most people don't know. When
1: I was a business school at Chicago Booth, I ended up being really good at an operations class, which is basically about how you manage the operations in a factory. If you were going to write
0: a book about your life, what would the title be?
1: I would go with wisdom and folly. Sophia means wisdom. If I were to just call it wisdom, that would not be an accurate portrayal of my life. There is definitely some wisdom, but there is a lot of folly.
0: Great start. Now, let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Sophia, I want to discover your childhood. Where
1: did you grow up? I grew up in Moscow, so I lived in Moscow until I was 10, and then I moved to London. What was your dream job as a child? I wanted to be an astronaut and a princess, so it's a sort of astronaut-princess combination.
0: What was your favorite subject in school? History. What was your least favorite subject?
1: Physics, definitely.
0: What is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? It was sometime in the 90s. Do you remember when we first
1: got modems at home and they made that noise? We're not going to retrieve the noise. But it felt like the machine was really straining and working really hard for ages to upload a web page. And it was so exciting. Which were the
0: three first technology gadgets you owned?
1: All to do with music. So very different music players, The so MP3 Pros, And then obviously when the iCord came along, then I had to get one of those.
0: Who was your female role model growing up and why?
1: My mother and my grandmother, they're both very successful women. So they're both educated. My grandmother is an engineer. My mother has a PhD and she's an academic and she's worked for the UN. And they also have family lives. They're well-read, they're cultured. This is really
0: what I aspire to be. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influence your education and career choice? In former Soviet countries or communist countries, rather, because
1: women were given equality of opportunity, that of women were working for basically decades. It's quite normal in Russia and Ukraine and China for even like your grandmother's generation to work. So as a child, when I came to London and I went to a school where lots of mothers were not working. It was absolutely surprising to me that some women didn't work or that people were saying my mother is the first woman to work in her family because to me it was just something unfathomable. I think that taught me that what you assume to be the
0: truth in your culture might actually be something completely different in a place that's actually not that far away. Now, I'm going to read two quotes. First one, how does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So Sophia, I want to know the choices behind your career path. What did you study at university? I studied
1: political science.
0: Who and what influenced you to get into
1: your choice and field? That was my mother, so she worked at Chattel House, the United Nations, and at various NGOs. But also growing up in a country that having had a childhood in Russia, a country that has had so much upheaval and is unfortunately going through a lot of tragedy right now, politics and history is something that you literally can't escape even if you want to. I really wanted to see how was it taught and how is it portrayed for people who are actually not involved in it. So that was
0: one of the key drivers. What professional roles have you had before that led you to start your own company?
1: I worked in financial PR in London, and then I joined a private equity firm. After that, I got my MBA at Chicago B. And really, when I graduated from university, the technology sector wasn't really a thing. I graduated in 2005. Facebook was formed in 2004. Most of my friends went into banking or consulting or advertising. It was really when I was doing my MBA that I thought, hang on a second, we're going to make a sudden pivot here because actually it seems like all the opportunity and the fun is in this industry that actually I hadn't even considered.
0: What does tech for non-techies do and what is your title?
1: Tech is
0: an education and
1: executive coaching company that helps smart, non-technical professionals succeed in the digital age. So we teach courses on tech for non-tech professionals, and then we add coaching essentially to help you really apply those concepts so you can lead in the digital
0: age. And I'm the CEO and founder. Why did you start a company and what are your main responsibilities?
1: This is my second company.
0: There, I have now
1: realized that I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I think some people are entrepreneurs at heart, and it is better for the world that I do not seek employment. As the CEO, your main responsibility is basically for people to know about your company. Because if people don't know about your company, they can't decide whether to engage in you. What does a typical workday look like for you? In the mornings, I usually write. So either I write an article, I write my newsletter to my email list, or when I write a podcast episode for the Techno Techie podcast. And then from eleven, I usually take meetings and then that tends to be a bit more social rather than just hands down.
0: I love the quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. So Sophia, what do you love about your role? I love working
1: with my smart clients. And that's why we're specific about who we work with, because we're working with people who are already high achievers, who basically just want to get some digital skills. Maybe they've got an app idea and they want to launch it, or maybe they want to get a better job at a tech firm. Those people are already self-starters and they're already highly motivated. They're usually pretty highly educated and really smart. So working with people like that is such a delight. What is the best experience you've had in your role so far? It's when one of my clients launched her app on the app store. Her name is Marilyn Sandro, and she's a dentist for children in Florida. And during the pandemic, she had to consult her patients and their parents via the phone. So she basically was like, okay, hang on. There's got to be an app for that. There wasn't. And so she took my course in technical founders. Literally now, parents are using it for their children. Dentists in the US are now downloading it. And when that happened... I'm so grateful like, we've actually like gone
0: through this
1: journey together.
0: What is the biggest challenge you've encountered so far, and how did you tackle it?
1: As an entrepreneur, you're mostly trying not to lose your mind. I would say that one of the biggest issues when you're an entrepreneur and when you deal with corporate, because we have individual clients and we also deal with pro customers, take ages to pay their bills, and their bills are usually really big. So like they're literally in like tens of thousands of dollars. And if you are Microsoft selling to Facebook, that's fine. Like they can take three months, like they weren't even noticed. But when you're leading a small business, oh my god, invoice and money in your backup. Anybody from a large company, please guys, work on this. Because I've spent so much of my time literally crying over unfadernity.
0: What do you wish everybody understood about
1: your role? that most of what you have to do basically consistency. There are some really fun and glamorous bits, speaking on stage and being interviewed for podcasts. But in order to do that, you have to essentially do work that nobody sees every single day. In my case now, lots of people listen to the technical techie podcast. At the beginning, nobody did. But you will never get to the results that you want unless you do the work that nobody sees. Nobody likes doing it, but unfortunately, it is the journey.
0: What is the one common myth about your profession or field that you want to disapprove? That it's all glamour. Maybe 10% on a good day. What do you love about working in the tech industry? That there is
1: always something new and that it's always changing and that you cannot be equal, even if you tried.
0: Oprah Winfrey said, I quote, think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is not a stepping stone to greatness. Sophia, what have by far been your biggest achievement in your career? I would say
1: that my companies and what I would say with TechCon and so far have been my great achievement because I can see the results that people are getting when I see human beings whose lives change. For example, I worked with a lady who was working in a financial institution. She was pretty boring and stale. And now she's got a senior leadership position at Amazon. She did the work. I was there to help
0: them. What's the biggest factor that has helped you become successful? Any success habits?
1: Persistency. Doing the work even when you don't want to. And I think there's this myth that like, oh, you've always got to be in flow and do things that you want to do. There are things that I love doing, like actually working with my clients. But we like doing terms or just like writing emails? How do you measure your own performance at work then? Revenue. Basically, you need to measure revenue, but also you need to see our clients getting results.
0: What is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it?
1: Actually, I can picture the room right now. I was in job interview and I just got the creeps from the person who was interviewing me. Like when your whole body tenses up and everything about you just says, just run, just go. But the person's quite well known. It was like quite a prestigious thing. And I remember I just squashed that feeling in me. And I was like, no, this is a really good opportunity. And that feeling ended up being crazy. Completely right. That person was totally unethical. He spent quite a lot of his time basically trying to get under my skin. And since then, literally something in me knew. Stick myself to the chair not to run away. And yet my prefrontal cortex was like, no, this is a good opportunity. We must stay here. I would say that is a failure in my car because I was given the source and I chose not to follow them. They basically led me to a really bad situation. I would send you in a room and the dude just gives you the creeps. Just get out of there.
0: What is inspiring and motivating you the most in your role and career right now? I'm at the stage of my company where
1: opportunities are coming to me, which is really cool and opportunity to work with really interesting people on interesting projects. That was not the case even very recently because when you start something, nobody knows about you.
0: Let us now jump into the influence of mentorship and role models. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, mentors can guide us through our career journey and open up the world of possibilities. Sophia, do you have a mentor today? Yes, I do.
1: And her name is Emma Sinclair. She is the CEO and co-founder of a tech company called Enterprise Alumni. And she wrote an article in the Financial Times about how she made an effort to raise half of the money that they rate from female
0: investors. Who is the female role model you look up to in your field? That's the question I was actually talking about, Emma. History shows that it has been more common for men having mentors and role models in business than women. Sophia, how important do you think it is to have a role model mentor during one's career?
1: I think it's hugely important. And I would say don't tell me have one. And also, don't actually think of a mentor as somebody who necessarily speaks to you. I would say that I have other mentors who have never met me, don't know that I exist. There are people who have written books whose books inspire me. There are people whose podcasts inspire me. There are online courses that I've taken that really inspire me.
0: Let's move on to leadership. Shirley Samberg, CEO of Facebook, said, I quote, Leadership is about making others as a result of your presence and making sure that impact lasts in your absence. What does leadership mean to you?
1: Inspiring people to do things without you.
0: What do you consider good versus a bad leader? A good leader is somebody who inspires people and
1: then trusts them to get on with it and leaves the door open for questions, but essentially trusts smart people to do what they know how to do. Whereas I think a bad leader is somebody who doesn't have that trust. They feel the need to basically look over your shoulder all the
0: time and micromanage. Who is your favorite female tech leader? I really
1: like the female non technical founders. There's Robin Exton, the founder of a company called Queer Women's Dating App. And she went through Y Combinator and she raised millions, like six million users. She had to learn how to do all of this by not becoming a developer herself, but essentially by creating. And this, I really love her story. I find her incredibly inspiring. Because the story that if we want to succeed in the digital age, you have to learn to code. It is misleading and it puts a lot of women off because the coding world isn't necessarily so welcoming to women. Actually, there are so many ways that you can lead and have an impact without being a coder. You need to learn how to work with developers. You don't need to become a developer. And Robin is a great example of that. How would you describe yourself as a leader? I would say that I set the vision and I let people get on with it. And
0: sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing. I probably could be a bit more hands-on. What leadership lessons have you learned that have formed you into the leader you are today? I would say that bad experiences form you more than good experiences, sadly. My bad experiences are
1: essentially when I would see. People, say, getting promoted because they were related to the right people or they kind of sucked up to the boss rather than because they actually did work. I've seen this and seeing that, I was just like, oh my God, no, actually, meritocracy, access to opportunity, that's what matters. Not the fact that your dad knows. would sadly, to have been in situations where people got promoted for those reasons. And from those experiences, I really love that actually transparency of why people get things and why other people don't, that. To what are your three strengths and three weaknesses? Strengths are connecting with people writing and also distilling complicated ideas into simple things. Weaknesses, when you have to be very deliberate, when you have to sit there and you have to really weigh up your options for a very long time, that is not something like doing. I like to make a decision, go and then figure it out and pivot if necessary. Also, lots and lots of attention to detail. Not really something average efficient. If you have too much attention to detail and you can't really be in the role of a founder, I think a founder needs a number two who has lots awesome of attention to detail. That's why you have the CEO fantasy of both. I find it very difficult when people are not as driven as I am, so I take patience.
0: Let us now jump into the hottest topic in business today, workplace culture, unblocking the power of diversity, quality, inclusion, and belonging. Sophia, what do diversity, quality, inclusion, and belonging mean to you personally?
1: They mean equality of opportunity. As long as people have equal access to opportunity, then we can all thrive. it.
0: What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were to join a company?
1: Meritocracy, transparency of why people get promoted, also a diversity of work events. What I mean by that is those cultures where basically everybody has to go and get pissed at the pub. I don't think that's particularly welcoming. I like going to pubs, but maybe I don't want to get drunk with my work. But I've definitely been in situations where that has been expected. And I don't think that's a sign of a good company culture. Whereas I think if there's a plethora of different types of events where you can go, so it's not only one thing. I think that's a sign of a culture that's more aware of the different experiences that people want.
0: As a woman, what has been the most significant barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges?
1: There are so many. What I would say is, when you walk into the room, you're basically undervalued. And I know that even now, with my expertise, literally, I have taught a class that I have created at Oxford University. And still, despite that, even when people see my bio ahead of time, they still sometimes find that I have to be like, I know what I'm talking about. Listen, you called me because I'm an expert, so believe me, I'm the expert.
0: Why do you think it's important for more women to join the tech industry, especially as leaders? Because the tech industry is impacting absolutely everything. If we only
1: have products that are made by one section of the population, they are only going to really serve one section of the population. Simply as a consumer, I want more women to make products or to be in leadership roles in companies that make products because I want a better product. But also as an investor, I also want to see more opportunities that women see because women solve problems that women chase. For example, there is a reason why there are lots and lots of laundry dinner delivery apps. In Silicon Valley, all these single guys have never done their laundry who needed an app to do it. Whereas I think women look at health tech and look at how many women are actually getting funding for female health. Not many. The more women actually we have innovating, then the more women will have investing and the better off will be as consumers, but also as a society where we'll have healthier people.
0: Do you and how do you speak with your female and male friends in your network about diversity, equality, inclusion and belonging challenges, especially salary gaps?
1: Well, I'm not sure the salary gap doesn't apply to me so much, but when it's something that we talk about, is the gender funding gap, I'm not looking for funding, but when you
0: hang out with entrepreneurs, this is that something that people really talk about. There are many public and internal discussions about the barriers women face from reaching higher positions in the tech industry. How do you feel it has affected and is affecting you? And what is your advice on how to best unblock these roadblocks?
1: I even contributed to that discussion. So I remember I wrote an article about the barriers that women face getting funding that ended up being on the front page of the Financial Times. I read something similar to The Guardian. I'm glad that I did because I think it's important to actually have your voice heard. But I'm frankly frustrated that even after I am on the front page of the Financial Times with my message as a founder, he really thought something will now change. This is what's frustrating is that yes, it's important to add our voices, but I also think it's important to vote with our feet. For example, if you're not getting paid what you should be getting paid, then find an employee who will. If somebody is behaving inappropriately, then threaten to see the company. I think that we have been too reliant on basically saying, "Oh, if we bring up the problems, then people will see what a bad problem it is, and then something will happen. Actually, we've got to take the situation back at once.
0: As a tech industry finds it hard to attract and retain women, what is your best advice or strategies for how companies can work to build a stronger com- corporate culture that engages gender diversity?
1: I'd say that one of the first things to do is for people not to try to sleep with women making fun of us but actually there is so much unwanted attention that happens at the office and I certainly had it and I'm unfortunately not at all an exception and I don't think that companies in general are tackling it properly I think that we have gender and diversity trainings where essentially people sit through some sort of training and they, they just sit through those three hours but I think what what really we need to do is actually educate people on what do you do if you see something happening. Because I actually think that most people are good people. I think most men are good men. But you don't need everybody to be a squeezy asshole. You just need one, and just that one person can ruin the working lives of the women there and also ruin the reputation of the company. One of the things that companies really need to do is to actually educate people on like, okay, if you know that this person is a squeeze here are the things that you can do, and maybe going to a is not the first thing maybe the first thing is actually talking to the guy and being like look this is not cool if we do this again this is what I'm going to have to do
0: what would you say are the few challenges of implementing diversity equality inclusion and belonging culture in a workplace today
1: I think it's really difficult because HR departments are fighting literally millennia of socialization. I have blind spots. We all have blind spots. And sometimes we say things like hey, hang on. I didn't even mean that. Okay, now I see how that comes out. And I've heard women say they would automatically go and buy a pink doll for their daughter and that will think, Hang on. Is this what I want to do? Should I get her a truck? I don't know. Also, I do think that because these attempts are fairly recent, nobody really knows what works. So I do think it's a difficult one to solve. But I also think that we should carry on.
0: Why and how do you think companies would benefit from having workplace gender diversity, especially better gender representation at sea level?
1: Because they'll basically run better companies. There's so much data that diverse boards make better decisions and have better performing companies.
0: How much do you think the industry has changed regarding this subject since you joined? I would
1: say there's been a lot of talk. Female founders are still getting less than two percent of venture capital
0: funding. I. That's not good, guys. Looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? I would have actually spoken out more
1: because I remember in my first job, literally having my mom pinched. They <laughs> one of part this. I wasn't so much shocked, but I didn't say anything. What I'm seeing now is that young women are actually saying, hang on, you did this, they did that again. Whereas for some reason, I protected the reputation of people who pinched my mom at work. Hang on, how does that make sense? I think as women we are socialized, to so keep with the peace and also worry about what will happen to us. And so I really wish that I had actually been like, no, he did it, he's the bad guy.
0: Looking forward, what will you do as a leader to improve the bias for the next generation of women in tech? I think
1: the first thing is actually living a life that deeply inspires women because I've had some good experiences working for other people, but I've also had some dreadful experiences. And I think these dreadful experiences are partially why I decided to start my own company. I really enjoy it. And I want to build this into a global business. I want the tech techies to reach millions and millions of people. And I want this message to be heard. And part of that is that I do want women to see that, okay, one part is not what you expected it to be through no fault of your own, then make your own.
0: Let us move on to another hot topic in business today, which is workplace life balance and mental health. Sophia, you have, without a doubt, a busy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself to maintain a good mental health?
1: The headspace meditation app really helps. For me, 10 minutes a day in the morning, that's one of my religions. Another thing is all the traditional stuff, basically like like exercise, go for a walk. It's all the stuff that you're supposed to do. It does actually work. But the most important thing is actually having friends and connecting with people and having those conversations that you can't really have in public. Literally just winding down the friend.
0: Have you ever experienced burnout?
1: Oh, I get very close to burnout and with that I pull back. It's a constant dance. Being in the CEO position is that you cannot afford to mess yourself up. If my brain doesn't work, I won't be able to essentially make payroll.
0: What motivates you every day to get out of bed? ambition i am building
1: a a multinational and just for this is what i'm doing that excites me greatly
0: what is your advice on how companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace in the new now
1: that is a very good question Manage people's expectations and check in them. Because I do think that there is employees need to be realistic, but employees also need to be realistic. Like it is work. And for example, if you're an employee and you're going to go to work at a startup, you're going to have a more stressful experience probably. And it's going to be much more turbulent than you are saying maybe if you joined a company like EY. I think as an employee, you also have to have your own responsibility for what is it that you're looking for. Because if you're looking for a very stable environment, go to a big company where if one job is very stressful, you can actually be moved to something that is a bit more low impact. If you're joining a startup, then actually you've made a choice to be in a very stressful environment. So I would say employers need to be open about this is what it's like here. Make a choice. It's totally fine if it's not you.
0: Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and piece of advice for our listeners. Sophia, what is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks in your role and career?
1: Just keep going.
0: And then, what is the worst advice you've ever been given, and how did you tackle that? I'd say the worst advice
1: is to placate bullies. You know, when somebody is just inherently just takes pleasure in bullying you, there's nothing you can do to make them stop apart from inevitably standing up for yourself. Trying to kind of be nice to wiggle out of it doesn't work.
0: Is this something you wish you would have known or a skill you wish you had when starting out in the tech industry?
1: I wish I would have known that actually you don't need to be a technical person in order to succeed in the tech industry. Because when I started my first tech company where app development was one of our key points, I really thought that in order to lead a product team, actually you need to learn to code. So I spent a lot of time on coding courses, which I was really bad at and which I hated. Only on the job, like once we developed an app, once we created algorithms, I was like, oh, I can create the logic of the algorithm and then coders can actually turn it into computer code i didn't realize that actually you can be in a leadership position working with developers you don't have to be the person who actually writes something. i wish i'd known that it would have saved me a lot of time and headache
0: if you had the ability to go back in time when you were just at the beginning of your career what advice would you give to your younger self
1: don't let the bosses grind you down
0: what advice would you give to young girls and women wanting and trying to break into stem fields today
1: I would say, if this is something that really drives you and something that inspires you, go for it. And in every single career, there are setbacks. And in most offices, there's usually some sort of one-planned person But it doesn't mean that you have to let them stop you. If this is something that you genuinely want to do, they will enable to maybe set back, do whatever you need to do to kind of lick your wounds if you have to, and then just get back on the horse and keep going.
0: Last but not least, what is next for you in your role and in your company? What are your career aspirations? So what's next for me is scaling the company further and working with more smart people
1: and companies to basically regulate the digital divide and to show more and more people the opportunities that they have as non-technical professionals in the digital age. If people are listening to my podcast and through that, they see that there are more opportunities for them in this digital age than they thought, I want to reach as many people as possible so they can
0: build the careers
1: that they deserve
0: amazing. Thank you, Sophia, so much for being a guest on the Queens of Tech podcast. Sharing your journey will, without a doubt, inspire change and reshape company culture for the next generation of women in tech.
1: I hope so. Thank you so much, Jasmine.
0: Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry a minimum of three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit queensof.tech.